And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. Oh, man. So we're back. Back again. We can't say any more of that. We'll have to pay rights for it. That's right. It's fair use. the money for that. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't tell you who it is, it's... it's not copyright infringement, right? Sure. <laughs> so we have been talking through the Beatitudes for a while now because there's a lot to say there. And um, kind of if, if you've been listening along or if this is your first episode, a little recap is, is fine, I think. Uh, yeah. We've been talking about, we've been talking through the verses themselves, reading them expounding upon them, giving our thoughts, what have you. But a lot of our conversations are centered around the fact that it seems like in modern American culture and church culture, particularly that often it, it's almost like these are being intentionally reversed and the truths mm-hmm. kind of flipped on their heads and that that is what people actually believe or live for or things like that. And it's, it's been, I think it's been really interesting conversations we've been having it's got me thinking anyway yeah i agree and you know it's it's funny i was talking with someone the other day who basically made the point they needed to catch up and asked kind of what we'd been doing and and when i mentioned that it was kind of this wait is that okay to do and so (laughs) to be clear we're not saying you should do the opposite we're saying that's what's just happened over years even within christian culture communities uh, we start looking for what we want instead of what the the Bible teaches. And so then when you come back to it and read it, it's like, oh, oops. You know, I think we've said yeah. that oops line maybe on the last one. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's all you can say. And yeah, kind of a hard truth sometimes to look at these. It is. And, and there's been a lot of things that we've thought through. You know, if this is your first, I think it's okay to listen to it and go back. But it might be worth starting from the first of them, uh, you know, a few episodes back because there's kind of this trend that we're seeing, to use a trending word, uh, <laughs> a trend of one building upon the other. Yeah, there's a flow to it. We, we talk is. a lot in our conversations about the fact that Scripture is shaped with very, very deft hands, not just the Holy Spirit himself, but the... Um, the abilities and the intentions and the skill of the authors is brought to bear and that they often, it it isn't just about telling you the rules you need to follow. It's about, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of art that shapes you. Yeah. Yeah. But just, uh, we, we would encourage you to listen to all the conversations because I mean, they, they have a through line or a thread just like the, uh, the scriptures do uh, that, that we're looking at. So yeah, we feel like the complete conversation is worth the time. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this one's uh, an interesting one. Mm. Uh, it makes sense, you know, but I think it's going to be an interesting one to talk about. You know, our last one we did discussed verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. I think we had a good discussion there and talked about how that kind of builds through them uh, to our, our previous point. But this week we're on verse seven and, uh, you know, kind of talks about something there's not a whole lot of in our culture. It doesn't seem like at times it's blessed mm. are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And, you know, I, I instantly upon reading it, I, I thought about a clip I watched last night. It was a political thing. We won't get into it. But <laughs> as with most political things, it was just back and forth screaming at the other. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. accusing the other of the same thing they're accusing them of. And, and there's never this point where it's like, look, I understand where you're coming from. Here's where we're coming from. And it's like, you know, if one person took the time to maybe do a little bit of that, maybe it would change the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Showing mercy oftentimes gives that back to you in in many regards. Um, I can think of multiple examples within my life, but I'll save those for for a little later. <laughs> what, what's your initial thought on hearing that? Oh, man. Uh, you're right, first of all. <sighs> yes. Uh, Every now and then. <laughs> that That's another one of those archaic christian words or old English words that I don't think gets mm. ban- bandied about in modern conversation. And it's one of the things where if you ask somebody what it meant, they'd be able to tell you. But when's the last time they said it in a sentence? And when's the last time hmm. that we were that we were thinking about what it means to be merciful? And I don't know that we, again, a, a lot of, we, we say this a lot, but our context is in the United States and the church culture there and our own, you know, experiences and the wider cultural conversation around faith that's happening where we live. And so that that's kind of what we have to go on. I don't know what things are like in England or, um, you know, Nigeria or China or whatever. I can't speak to those things. Hopefully yeah. we just talk about the things that we know. But um, they're just... It seems like we're a lot more ready to write people off than we are to be merciful to them. And I think also that if we think of mercy, we think in terms of guilt and salvation and mm-hmm. um, God's mercy to us. But I don't know how much time we spend thinking about being shaped by the idea that we should be merciful people. Well, it's, it's counter cultural to the other things we're taught, you know, we, we yeah. talked a little bit, um, through, through poured spirit for sure, maybe on blessed are the meek as well. Um, just about our own personal power trips and kind of these plans we, we put together for ourselves. And if anyone gets in the way of that, we'll piss on them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm going to get mine, I think is how we worded it a few times or, or maybe I did not so eloquently. Uh, <laughs> there's better ways to word it, I'm sure. But I think of the same thing. Like, if you get in my way, why would I have mercy on you? You're yeah. gonna you're gonna disrupt my whole thing I've got going here. So, nah, you know. Yeah. And and we just speed through, bulldoze ahead without thinking about the people in our way and the fact that they are people and not just obstacles. You know, mm-hmm. uh, being in the business world, and, and you may get this too. That's and being in sales specifically, there's a whole lot about obstacles and hindrances and how do you navigate through them and and yes that's worthwhile to talk about but when you start 
treating people as just obstacles to be plowed over, that that's a scary thought, you know. Um, yeah. And there, there's a difference in plowing over it and actually meeting it and discussing and, you know, trying to find common ground so you can get past. But yeah, uh, I had a uh, a coworker of mine and I were talking earlier this week and uh, we had a not, not even a situation, but there was a question raised about something that we were working on. And kind of what we landed on was like, well, we can go right to that and put that on the table in front of everybody. A better way to handle it might be instead of making a statement, why don't we ask why don't we ask a question that would lead to the question that would make the statement <laughs> and basically mm-hmm. get give the other folks involved an opportunity to explain, you know, how what they were doing or what they were thinking. And yeah. it, it worked so much it worked so well <laughs> to that that um you know it was it was very productive it, it turned out to be. And my, my concern was like, look, I, I don't want to not say things that need to be said, even if they're difficult or, or harsh, even if, if that's what I'm supposed to do in a situation, but only with great reticence, you know, only with yeah. uh, great humility, hopefully would I say something that might hurt somebody else that need, that need be said. And I don't think that we have enough of that holy reticence about us as the people of God living in the United States anyway, that uh, I, th- I think we, we really think a lot of ourselves and our own opinions and yeah. that we are willing to sacrifice any, anything on the altar of our own, of our truth, if I could put it that way, which sounds like a very progressive thing to say, actually. And um, like progressive politically or theologically mm-hmm. uh, is the whole, you know, own your truth thing. But really, that, that's all that that is, isn't it? Is, is exalting yourself and your own perspective to the point that you're willing to sacrifice anything else on the altar to it. Yeah, well, and it's, it's interesting what you say because that's even a humbling approach because what you did, it, it, it requires seeking to understand as a first step and seeking to understand before being understood, right? Yeah. And that's, um, that, that's, that's kind of the difference a lot of times. Like we're so eager for everyone to hear what we have to say as being this mind-blowing thing and instantly agree with us that we start there instead of saying, look, tell me where you're at mm-hmm. and let's understand that. And and when we do that, it allows us to, to find some common ground where maybe we can be a little bit more merciful than and we would be if if kind of the, the flip of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, another video I came across, everything's political right now just because of the state of our world and election year and um, but we had referenced, goodness, it's been a while back, but we, we talked about Steven Crowder, yeah, the guy who did the change my mind stuff. And mm-hmm. again, I'm not, uh, you know, encouraging anyone to necessarily listen to him. My understanding is there's some things that are not that great that he's done. I think there's some things that are pretty neat, but all that aside, I, a video just popped up and started playing, you know, the play next shaming thing, um, the other night when I was watching and it was it was Steven Crowder going to a um, an African American community, going into a barber shop, which is something different than what he had experienced, and just talking. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to see him just discuss with people in a different context than what he's used to, and the conversations that that were had that would not be had outside of that. 
you know, if he was just maybe in setting up his table, you know, it's a little bit different when he's coming in and saying, Hey, let me listen to you all. Now I'm going to tell you where I'm at, but let's, let's have more of a dialogue instead of a a screaming match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're having a similar conversation about communication and listening with this same coworker. And, um, one of the things that leads to good listening is that thing you're talking about, which is I don't need to be the first one to talk. I don't need to be the center of attention because I know that I can say what I need to say when I need to say it. And so I'm not afraid of letting somebody else talk first, (laughs) you know, is where I try and land. That's not, that's, I mean, catch me on a different day and I may not handle what I just said. Well, but we, as the people of God, if we know who we are in Christ and we know, and we can uh, have the kind of love that, that gets rid of our fear, because I think that's part of what we're talking about, is, is people are afraid of using, losing control. People are afraid mm-hmm. of being hurt or feeling less than or, or whatever it is that's motivating us in the moment. And that leads us to not be merciful with people, because there's something that we're afraid of, I think is at the may not be the only thing going on, but I think that is part of the root of what leads us to be unmerciful. And if we can keep in mind who we are and the fact that all the good that we have exists because of the mercy of God, well, then what should be our response, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, in our whole life should be an overflow of what he's given us. So if Mm -hmm. he's given us that mercy, why wouldn't we want to just extend it to others? Yeah. You know, Um, that's a good point. And and that's more where I fall in, you know, the, the political thing, is an easy, uh, low-hanging fruit, I guess, for discussion, just because there's so much of it. The The points where it hits a little bit closer to home for me does involve things like that, with, with, typically with people in the body of Christ who uh, we're, we're supposed to feel the same way about mm-hmm. things, right? Doesn't mean we always do, uh, but there should be this thing called the Bible and you know God that we're all pursuing. And uh, I, I'm not saying others aren't, but sometimes where God has one of us is not the same place where he has another, right? Yeah. We, we talk about sanctifi- sanctification. We acknowledge that it's a process, but for whatever reason, we want to pretend that we should all be at the same part in that process, and that's just not so. And, and so, think, go ahead. Something important to remember is starting all the way back in Exodus, yeah. the people of God are referred to as children, in, in not in a like pejorative or derogatory sense, but... Uh, Moses says to Pharaoh, speaking as God's mouthpiece, Israel is my firstborn son. And then God takes his firstborn son out into the desert and tells him how to be a man, basically, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. you like that metaphor. But throughout the rest of the story, we continually referred to as, you know, sons, daughters, heirs, dearly beloved children. It's all about this parental child relationship and all of us are in the same boat children if you if any of you have children you know this like they they have to be taught they have to have the truth modeled to them repeatedly over years and they don't always make good choices and they have to be shown what it is like to live well because you know people don't if you've ever been around people people don't just pick that up on their own and so in a similar way I think the point you're making is that, man, we're all just we're all just kids trying to figure it out. And however belligerent we may be of a given day, that's still our reality. Yeah, it, it is. And, and there's the thing of I mean, there's just so many things that get in the way. If we were all pursuing Christ and reading the Bible and 
trying to be the things that we've been talking about for the past, what, five, six episodes, it would be great. Mm. And I'll bet it would be pretty easy. Yeah, Easier, let me put it that. Maybe not pretty easy, but it would be easier. The thing <sighs> is, though, as, as we mentioned earlier, we all have these things that we want to pursue that even though they may not be bad, right? I'll put that in quotes. That's not always great to do on a podcast. But um, even though they may not be uh, bad or there may be noble things about them, it may not necessarily be what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's just what we've decided we're supposed to be doing. And so that becomes our our only pursuit. You know, I uh, it's hard for me not to be that way with my kids. You know, you, you mentioned kids. I, we do things a certain way with our kids and we're trying to raise them in a way where they're presented things at a time where we feel like they can deal with that and process that as mm-hmm. opposed to being just, you know, um, hammered with everything the world wants to show you and not knowing what to do with that. You know, and, and I think everyone would say that to an extent, but that doesn't always mean the same thing for mm-hmm. where people are. You know, people yep. are in different circumstances and um, that often dictates how you're able to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I say, this one hits close to home, that that's one of the areas I've had to be merciful in is, and it's not always easy because I want to be like, well, God gave me these kids to raise and this is where I feel we're supposed <laughs> to do this. And so, you know, gosh darn it, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And though I don't think those are bad things, and though I tend to think most of what I am trying to do is is what I'm supposed to do, it, it doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah. You know, um, I've been wrong before. What? Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> um, about, about once an hour, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, well. Yeah, and so, I don't know, it's just, it's a tough thing, um, because then you also see, well, this is working well for me, so why wouldn't everyone want to do it? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I'm reading the Bible and seeing this clearly, so why doesn't everybody see this? Like, yeah. you know, and you start putting yourself on this pedestal as, hey, I get this, these mm. other people are maybe not pursuing what they're supposed to, and then what happens? Well, that mercy starts to shrink, and you start trying to tell people, here's how you should live, here's what you should do. And, and living that way, I can guarantee you, sure enough, you're going to fall and you're yeah. going to wish that mercy would come back because yeah. you, you've been so stingy with it. It might not. But And, um, and I think the where this, where this line of thinking comes in for criticism is that the folks who the, – the rebuttal often tends to be, well, you're just being wishy-washy on the truth. You just want to give people an excuse to do whatever. And that does happen. But I think the way I would put it is that – and this is kind of a – semi-related analogy (laughs) for the last, I don't know, year or two, whenever I get on Twitter, the first thing that pops up is the like for you tab where the, the algorithm has selected accounts that are connected to accounts that you follow and shows you stuff before you click over to Mm -hmm. your actual timeline. Now, some of that stuff is interesting and I've found things that I, I like or want to think about, but so much of it is just a whole lot of fractious conflict around a lot of the issues that we talk about because, you know, you follow people like Preston Sprinkle, he's pissing all manner of people off doing what he's doing. And and I mean that positively, like he's making people mad because he's trying to walk the Jesus line down the middle. And, um, but so much of it is like the, a result of the idol of certainty, I think. And I, I was somebody who kind of bristled a little bit when people started 
having a go at certainty. Like, oh, you shouldn't be certain. You should hold everything with an open hand. It's like, I get what you're saying. It just seems like you're saying that we can't know anything, and I don't know that I can get there with you. But I was thinking about this uh, this week. Is just so so many people seem so convinced that they know what's up and are yeah. so ready to shout it down your throat in in whatever format. Um, whether that's online or in person, we just we seem so convinced and so certain that we know that everybody else is wrong. And yeah. I started to think about like, well, I feel certainty, but let, let's let's say we don't want to use that word because I don't know. I mean, we could wake up tomorrow and realize we've all just been living in a snow globe and none of this is real. <laughs> I don't think I don't think uh, that's going to happen. Um, but. But I was thinking, because I love words. Well, what? That's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> You're listening to us right now. Uh, well, what, what would I say about it? And the, the phrase that I landed on was, well, I can't be certain, but I am convinced. Hmm. And I may not be certain, but I am persuaded. Yeah. And the, that, to me, acknowledges on the one hand that no i don't know everything and i could be wrong but until something better comes along or until somebody is able to demonstrate to me that i'm that i have wrong thinking this is this is where i'm going with like hum trying to humble myself before god and say look i'm doing my best here i've asked you to give me wisdom i've asked you to give me understanding and this seems to be what you're saying so in the absence of leading from the Holy Spirit a different direction or admonition from fellow believers that I'm wrong, this this is what I think is true. And yeah. without lapsing into opinionism and, you know, uh, my truthism <laughs> or, or whatever, just I, th that's what I would say about it is like I am convinced and I am persuaded and I may be really convinced, <laughs> you know, yeah. I may have what I think are really good reasons and – but I can still be humble in the way that I communicate that. And so I, I wonder if also this, this certainty thing is leading us to be unmerciful to people who don't agree with us. I, I think so. Um, yeah, in many ways, probably so. And again, you know, that's, I think that's a challenge for all of us, especially if, you are a follower of Christ, and like you said, are convinced, do have faith, right? So Hebrews, yeah. faith in things you can't see. And and if you do have faith that this is all true, then sure, you're going to read the Bible and see this as, you know, hopefully, as this is what it says, this is true, this is right, and want to pursue those things. I mean, but, but you're right, we live in a culture where someone reads something and doesn't like it, and so, oh, it's not my truth, not my problem, you yeah. know? And... Do you write them off or do you try to find some common ground so that you can maybe share with the people, maybe have mm -hmm. a discussion? Um, and I think so quickly it's easy to write them off. I, and and I, I'm not saying there's not a point where you have to do that. I think scripturally there is, right? Because yeah. there are things called false prophets and false teachers that uh, are, I know we, we like to have grace and, and be merciful, right? There it is. Um and see some of these teachings and say, well, surely they're not trying to deceive. And you would hope not. And I think mm -hmm. there are some who are not trying to, but are. And then I think there's some who just just are. You know, yeah. I think yeah. there's people who God is a selling point for what I'm doing in life, be it my business or my ministry. And <laughs> I was about to say, a lot of those people do not are not up on stage or on TV, by the way. You work right. with them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. 
you know, and it's, well, I'm a Christian doing business, so you should do business with me. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've met some Christians doing business that, um, you know, you do business with them, you may see that it's more just a bargaining chip to get your business than anything. And mm-hmm. I don't say that. that. That seems icky to even say, but I, I think we all know it. So hopefully I won't be taken too wrong. Um, but there, I remember, there are um, some... Oh, go ahead. We, we had a guest, uh, gosh, a couple of years ago now, uh, Jay Newman from the Catacomb mm-hmm. Podcast. And he Man, is remarked... Like episode two, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he, he remarked um, on one of their episodes, I think, that like the reason that politics tries to co-opt the church is that the church has actual power and people know that. Hmm. And so, yeah. uh, you know, s- similarly there is a power in Christianity, not, not just in like the socio-political structure or whatever, but the, uh, but, but p- people, people know when there's power around yeah. it, you, you may not articulate it to yourself, but somebody walks in the room that carries themselves a certain way, you know, and, and I've known people like that. And, and I don't even mean this negatively. It's just that that is somebody who is so in command of themselves and the way that they move through the world. It, it yeah. like you almost stand to attention. You know, if you've ever been in the company of like, uh, not a politician, but a statesman or stateswoman, you know, like a leader, mm-hmm. a real leader that, that has has command over themselves that that is powerful and people respond to that and i think similarly christianity especially in the part of the world where we live has had a certain kind of power that people realize i, I can latch onto that and that will it's kind of like the slipstream of a of a semi truck if i get behind this thing then it'll pull me x, sure. x amount of the yeah. way yeah yeah yeah. I mean, and, and, and part of it's a desire for community. I mean, think of people who are, and I'm not justifying it. I just get why they, some people do this, but you know, if you're, you're in community then and trying to start business or do something and looking for connections and networking, sure. That's easy enough. If you don't have that and you're looking for places to find it, it's oftentimes going to be, you know, the, the church or the bar. Yeah, <laughs> where you can find an audience or, or, you know, maybe there, there are these networking groups, but, um, you know, you, you find a group and you, you seems easy enough. You get to know them. They're going to want to do business with you. And, um, as someone who's been rid- ridiculed once for not using someone in the church, you know, it, it's kind of an icky thing when it, when that happens. But mm-hmm. I also understand you would think the people around you would want to you know, do business with you and help you. But I don't know, being part, when you, when you dig deeper into that and what that means, like part of me wants to say, I get it. You know, you want to work with others in the community of faith. And I, and I understand that with certain things, especially when it's things where maybe there's a trust issue and you need someone who believes the same way you do, you know, um, think about things like investing where, Hey, maybe I don't want to invest in anything that is tied to these types of things. Well, yeah, Okay, that makes sense. And you probably want someone who understands your your thought process, your beliefs, your values a little bit. Um, but think about the opportunity we have to do business with someone who maybe doesn't believe in some regards. And and maybe that be a light. Maybe that be a way they see Christ. Man, I think Shouldn't so that much. Be a thing? I think so much of the phenomenon you're describing, because it, it's the creation of the Christian ghetto, 
Like if you've heard that term, which is <laughs> we have we have all our own subculture that doesn't have to rub elbows with anybody that we don't agree with, and um, it's it's the, honestly I think a lot of it is motivated by I just do not want to have the difficult conversation with somebody. The more I can surround myself with people that I like, that are like me, that I agree with, and we believe the same things, the less opportunity there is for uncomfortable friction. The less need mm. there is for that last 10% of the honesty that is needed in a situation. The less need for vulnerability. The less need for mercy, for that matter. Because if there's never a problem, you don't have to show mercy. Because everybody thinks and does the same thing. Everybody thinks the same things are important as you do. And so yeah. it's in an it's a strategic removal of friction. Now this is the this is the negative end of it. I think also obviously you're going to be you're going to be drawn to people that care about the same thing. I think the trap yeah. the trap is though that it doesn't give you the opportunity to practice that open and honest vulnerability with people. And it can lead you to not being merciful to people who are not like you because you have no mm -hmm. practice. <laughs> My uh, friend of mine, Alex, is always saying, um, "This will give me. This, we we can get some reps in on this." Is the way that he puts it. <laughs> so, it, it, if you will, um, it doesn't give you the opportunity to get any mercy reps in yeah. if you systematically remove everybody from your circle that you would need to show mercy to. Yeah. Well, and I think that's an issue. You know, you look at your life and I think that should be a question. How many people are you around that don't believe the same way you do? Mm -hmm. You know, um, again, I think there's plenty of opportunities to, to be merciful to people within, within yeah. our belief system, because even within there, there's some, some differences, but, um, but yeah, I mean, how many people are you around who aren't believers or you know, that's, or even barring that. Can you successfully disagree with another believer and it not affect your relationship? Hmm. Yeah. Our friendship is a good example, and we've mentioned this yeah. on the podcast before. We have a lot of overlap, but there are some things that we have, have not agreed about. And I sure. actually think that's a good thing for both of us. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I like, I like, it is good for me to feel uncomfortable in a friendship in that way or, um, I, I put it this way. There's a difference between safe and comfortable. You know, it is, you, you're one of the closest friends that I have. And I know that my, like my life and my troubles or whatever are, are safe with you because I, yeah. I trust you. I know you care for me and my family. And that's the foundation of our relationship. It doesn't matter if we don't agree on X, Y, or Z. It just doesn't yeah. because that is the core of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And, you know, one of these days, I think you'll come around and, and, uh, <laughs> no, I tease. You're right, though. And, and I think, <laughs> I think, I think you have to have people like that that push you, too. You know, yeah. I think ultimately we, uh, we both, when it comes to faith, are, are pretty well in the same place with some nuances, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think it's good because here's the thing. The moment you say this is what I believe and nothing else is open, I get it sounds like a noble thing, but you're assuming that you have everything right and so you need to, to look no further. And, you know, I, I've been wrong about things before. I may be wrong about things now. <laughs> That's what Taylor's yeah. sitting there thinking. But yeah. no, but, you know, th there's a time when some of the views I have now are not the views 
that I had 15 years ago. Well, why? why and I would again, have argued them to the grave. But, yeah. I mean, again, you know, we're talking I've had about conversation. And because of that conversation, now it's and actually being in scripture. Right. Because that's important. I'm, I'm a different in a different place. And again, that's the way it's supposed to be because yeah. we're God's children that he is teaching right. to be more like him. We are yeah. being yep. to, to quote Colossians. We are being con- being conformed to the image mm-hmm. of Christ. It's not, it, we're becoming what we are, you know? Right. Uh, and that is a process that continues. So, of course, we should expect to grow in wisdom. If, if Jesus himself, the Gospels tell us, grew in wisdom and understanding, and we have been given fullness in Christ, that is what we should expect to happen. Which means we're going to have to be friggin' merciful with each other as we grow and as we learn. And it, it, again, it's that the difference between certain and persuaded or certain and convinced. It's like, hey, I'm from what I know now, this is what I think is true. But hey, I'm yeah. I'm willing to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, I man, I think it's one thing. Have, having kids teaches you a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, not that I'm saying that's in, in God's plan for everyone, but... Um, you know, I've got got three little ones, and and it makes you look at mercy differently. There's times where, man, I want them to learn, mm-hmm. and I want them to get this because you know it's not. We talk about this all the time. It's not a matter of oh, you may get scratched. No, you may lose your life doing something. Like, you know, so let's let's be careful. You know, if I don't punish you a little bit when you run away from me, what's well, going to happen if you run away? You know, in a parking lot, mm-hmm. right? Because that happens. Um, or it did to me. Maybe I'm alone. Yeah, no, it's it's happened so, to me too. Yeah, and it's it's well, so and so did it, or I was just follow. You know, you, there's times where I'm like, well, then you don't follow that person, right? Yeah, yeah. And there doesn't it doesn't sound like there's a lot of mercy in those scenarios, but there's a line where you have to realize what the mercy is and what that yeah. looks like and what what I'm being merciful, why I'm being merciful, and why I'm not. And I, I think kids does teach it in a different way because there's times now where I'm like. You know, I'm trying to show them mercy, and I want that extended to me when I mess up because I mess up. Mm-hmm. And part of that's just being honest. You know, there's times I go to them and say, "Hey, Daddy messed up." You know, um, yeah. And here's what I did. Or, you know what? It's not important that you know all the specifics, but I want you to know I messed up and I'm sorry. And I think if I never showed them mercy because I wanted them to be exactly what I want, which that's a whole other issue in conversation, and I won't go there. <laughs> I know, believe that, but. But the the fact that I've had mercy on them at times, I think they're willing to be merciful and vice yeah. versa when when I go to them. Um, it's almost like, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Hmm. There's a yep. theologian whose name escapes me, but um, he has a a treatise on this concept that he calls a severe mercy, which I think is a good description in the sense yeah. that when... The stakes of a situation are your life, Mm -hmm. literal or spiritual or figurative or whatever. It is not merciful to allow you your freedom. Sometimes it is merciful to prevent you from harming yourself. And that if sometimes God does this with us, and sometimes it works in reverse. That's the other thing. Sometimes the mercy of God is to allow you to learn the lesson by burning Mm -hmm. your hand. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that that is a hard thing about being a parent is is knowing the wi- the wisdom to know the difference. God is a perfect yeah. father, and 
as we learn from Proverbs, for t- particularly like the first couple chapters talking about the that wisdom is the thing on which he built creation. That he yeah. he knows the difference and he is able to respond accordingly. And he knows when you need to burn your hand and when you need to not lose your hand <laughs> mm-hmm. and which one is going to be better for you. And um, it's mercy is or better not, for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I go so often back to God's self-disclosure in Exodus 34, 6, when he tells Moses his name and all yeah. the things in there. And one of them is... Depending on which translation you read, mercy shows up in one or another spot, but it could be the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and merciful God, abounding in love and mercy, depending on which translation, the the connotation is there. But then it goes on to say, and I think this this is the proper understanding of mercy, but he will not, depending on which translation it puts it, he won't just clear the guilty of their iniquity. He's not yeah. giving you license to do whatever you want. Um, yeah. And that despite, it, but it starts out with all the good stuff. <laughs> you know, the one bad thing is is down there at the end of the list. And I think, um, and a further part of it is the phrase maintaining love to thousands of generations, but mm-hmm. visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the th- only to the third or the fourth. Of those who hate him and even in his discipline he is merciful yeah even when he is having to turn us over to the effects of and the consequences of our bad decisions he is so ready to step in and redeem it when we are ready for him to the scripture also tell us he he delights in showing mercy so this, I mean, we've talked about this before too, this, this picture of God that I think, <laughs> I always say the Old Testament gets a bad rap because we don't know how to friggin' read it. But this picture of God is ready to zap you, ready to show wrath, so ready to demonstrate his holiness and otherness, like almost like with a thumb down on us. That, that's mm-hmm. just not, you have to read only those passages and interpret them super narrow to come away with a picture of God that works like that. Because... Yeah. The whole picture is like, yeah, he will he will show you a severe mercy when it is necessary, but he is so ready to redeem your situation that he is yeah. like, well, oh, just put me in, coach. I'm I'm ready, <laughs> you yeah. know. Well, and, uh, and if you read it, like you have to see that there's times where, you know, yes, there's times where God showed mercy upon people and and where he didn't, and there's times where you see he gave them opportunity and opportunity and opportunity. Oh, yeah. yeah, like there's a point where. You know, if you continue showing someone mercy, if you continue to receive mercy and do nothing with it, that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. And so it's not that he wanted to. You know, it's not that he wanted to punish this pe- people. He he gave them multiple opportunities. They still did not see the grace and the goodness of God, and so the punishment that they were supposed to have probably way before then finally came to fruition, right? I mean... I heard one person talk about uh, Eden and saying that God never did us a better favor, I'm paraphrasing, than when he, after we turned to sin, he took away eternal life from us so that we were not caught in a perpetual eternal cycle of death. Which I thought was interesting that viewing the discipline of kicking us out 
away from the the tree of life, whether you view that as a metaphor or not, um, that he removed us from the goodness and the and his life giving presence because to be connected to an inexhaustible supply of life while living in a pattern of death would <laughs> that would be, that would not be good for us. Right. But yeah. then he solves that problem through Christ. That's the other while we were yet stuck in patterns of death, God died for us. And that that is the ultimate severe mercy and that like I'm not going to I'm not going to call evil good. Like I'm not going to clear you of your sins without ha- without them having to be paid for and covered. But I am going to pay for them and I am going to cover them and I am going to bring you back into right relationship with me. It's not going to look like what maybe you think it should look like, but we're Mm going to solve this problem. And he does. And he he does every day by redeeming our actions and redeeming, redeeming our time as I've heard it put other ways. And that's a, you know, that's kind of a different filter to view mercy through, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. And again, if that's been given to us, why are we withholding it from people? Yeah. You know, aren't we supposed to be, you know, like Christ, like-minded? That's crazy talk. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes weird thoughts pop in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Something that we say around my house a lot, we'll talk about something bad that happened or that is happening or might happen. And we'll say, but God rich in mercy. Mm -hmm. And we'll leave it. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. That would be a great place to end it. You brought that up. <laughs> it would. And I, I can't without telling this story. And I may have before. I um, I led worship one uh, one Sunday at a church I was a part of years ago, and it was me in a small group, and I was using that verse to kind of introduce a song, and. What you said was pretty eloquent there. I chose to say it differently. I said, <laughs> but God, and it's a big but. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. Yeah, it happened. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, some people didn't notice. Others certainly did, but it is. Uh, it's true. That's a big, a big but there. But um, yeah, and, and you know, not to dig too deep, but I don't think we have to go too far to realize that again with our flow as we've talked about this you know last week we talked about hungering and thirsting after what is right Mm -hmm. and part of that is understanding that there's things that are right that are just you know justice came up Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes there's mercy despite that yeah but you have to understand what those things are before you can start to have mercy you have to be pursuing god before you're going to be able to show people the mercy that god shows us yeah there's a line in an old hymn called at calvary yeah. Oh, the awful gulf! The awful gulf that God did span. It's hmm. a great line. Yeah. And yep. you know, anytime we want to get arrogant about our position as the people of God, we sh- we should remember that that we're we're here because of God's mercy, and it, uh, that is the only way that we continue. So that's how we should live. Yep. Amen to that. I think we're done. I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs>